0: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Weekly Tech, a technology and ethics podcast focused on navigating this digital age with wisdom. Weekly Tech is brought to you by the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, and I'm your host, Jason Thacker. As always, alongside this podcast, we also have the Weekly Tech newsletter that you can sign up to receive on Monday mornings that's designed to prepare you to think deeply about the pressing technology issues of our day and also stay up to date on the latest tech news. You can subscribe now at jasonthacker.com slash weeklytech. In this episode of Weekly Tech, I'm joined by my friend, Dr. Jacob Schatzer, who's an assistant professor of theological studies and associate dean in the School of Theology and Missions at Union University in Jackson, Tennessee. We talk about transhumanism, technology, in his book, Transhumanism and the Image of God, Today's Technology and the Future of Christian Discipleship. Dr. Schatzer graduated from Union in 2007 before earning his MDiv at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary and his PhD at Marquette University. He has served at Union since 2017 and is an ordained Southern Baptist minister. He has served congregations in various capacities, including youth ministry, supply preaching, and teaching. Also, if you enjoyed today's podcast, make sure to let us know by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app. You can screenshot your review and send it to us at weeklytech at erlc.com, along with your mailing address, and we'll make sure to send you a special Weekly Tech coffee mug as a thank you. Dr. Shetcher, it's so good to have you here on Weekly Tech. As we get started, can you tell us a little bit about how you started thinking about technology and writing about it?
1: Yeah, absolutely, Jason, and and thank you for having me. Um, I got interested in in technology, uh, especially thinking about it from a a Christian theological perspective, because when I I graduated uh, from Union in in 2007, I did a, a major in Biblical Studies Languages, uh, but during my last year of study, I, I started to take some classes and have some interactions that really started to wrestle with questions of, uh, you know, how does how does theology impact our lives in in real practical ways? And and I began to to think more about ethics and things like that. And and just one of the interesting uh, areas that I enjoyed exploring was this question of you know, what do we do with technology? Um, Because uh, on the one hand, it seems simple, but on the other hand, it seems really, really complicated. I didn't really know how to articulate those issues uh, that early on, but I knew it was something that I was interested in exploring further.
0: Yeah, and you've written um, a really helpful book that I will encourage listeners to grab on transhumanism. Can you explain a little bit what transhumanism is? It sounds like a really big word and can be a little scary and kind of overwhelming for a lot of folks. And kind of explain what transhumanism is and help to give a foundation for us to be thinking about this movement.
1: Yeah, well, it's probably good to think that transhumanism is is big and a, a little scary in some ways, and and partly uh, I I say that because it is a really uh, broad movement that has a lot of different people who disagree with each other, even while having some points of commonality, and so it can be difficult to talk about because you don't want to oversimplify something or or say something about transhumanism that some transhumanists would disagree with, but but just recognizing right away, it's this, this big movement, there's variety in it, um, but it still coalesces around, uh, it groups around some key concerns and goals. And one of those is basically this idea that through our, uh, our technology, through what we can do and what we can make, uh, including everything from uh, what we would think is uh, technology, computer technology, digital technology, but also the the you know pharmaceutical uh, advances and things like that. Basically, uh, transhumanism thinks that we should take all of those resources and take charge of our species evolution, and, and rather than just waiting according to an evolutionary worldview, waiting for us to become whatever we're going to be next. Uh, We should kind of grab hold of our own destinies and decide what we want to evolve into and overcome the things that have plagued and challenged humanity uh, for hundreds and thousands and according to some millions of years, uh, death, uh, disease, uh, suffering, uh, things like that.
0: I think that's a really helpful point. Um, how do you kind of address this from a Christian perspective? Is there anything unique that Christianity adds to the conversation on transhumanism or helps us to think more wisely about the movement?
1: Yeah, I, I think so. And, and I think if, if you'll forgive me for shifting into theology for a moment, even though um, you know these are primarily questions that we experience as ethical questions, I think it's important for us to situate our understanding of technology in the appropriate place theologically. Um, I just, uh, before getting on this with you today, uh, was lecturing on eschatology in my Christian doctrine class. Uh, And I think one thing we have to do as Christians is remember that our our eschatology is not where our technology primarily fits. Uh, We don't overcome death. Death is not a conquered entity because of what we can do technologically. Uh, death is a conquered entity because Christ died and is risen and promises that those who are in him will be raised to eternal life in him. So where is our technology located then? It's it's not located there in our eschatology. Rather, we locate it at somewhere uh, related, I think, to being image bearers, to, to be working uh, w- with God and as the body of Christ pointing forward to the coming kingdom of God that's already here in real senses. And and I think locating our technology there helps us to properly see that as Christians, we should be excited about ways that technology can overcome effects of the fall. The way that technology can help us diagnose and deal with disease or, or the way that technology can help us have a communication and some sense of connection with people who are far away all the while remembering that the kingdom of God is not something that we establish through our ingenuity, but it's fundamentally something we receive from the gift of God.
0: Yeah, I think that's really helpful. And to stay on that theological bent, which is one of the things I really, really encourage listeners to grab your book, because that's something you do really well. It's kind of helping us to understand technology in light of our theology and our understanding who God is, what he's done, and how he's created us in his image. What are some of the implications for how the doctrine of the incarnation, ha- what is it kind of implications that have on the transhumanist movement and how we understand ourselves as humans created in God's image.
1: Yeah, well, I I think one way to begin to get at that answer is to recognize that at least for some transhumanists – the answer to the human problem is actually excarnation. carnation um, They'll refer to our bodies as meat suits that, that we should set aside as quickly as possible and and to move our consciousness to some more uh, durable uh, carrier, whether that's uh, silicone chips or uh, some other sort of hardware, right? So so there's almost this uh, this absurd reversal uh, where in, in Christianity we know that our only hope is the fact that God has taken on flesh, that, that the second person of the Trinity uh, became man, took on everything that it means to be human, and, and has redeemed us and provided redemption. So the doctrine of the incarnation reminds us that, that Jesus didn't just take on flesh to re- redeem us out of flesh to something else, but, but rather he took on flesh, and the eternal hope of Christianity is a resurrection hope. It's an embodied hope. It's a fleshly hope.
0: Yeah. I know we see a lot of folks inside and outside the church who are really enchanted uh, by the promises and the dreams of technology, but also a number of folks who are highly critical. And so you kind of have both of these camps, those who are fully embracing of technology and where it's taking us, which you do kind of have some transhumanist veins in that. But then you also have some really staunch technology critics who are wanting to kind of push back and not really – pursue a lot of technological advance in our society because of the way they're seeing technology affect us and change us as a people. How would you describe the proper place of technology in our lives today? I know earlier you mentioned it in light of uh, the fall and kind of understanding our creative abilities, but how would you properly place technology in our lives today so that we avoid a lot of these false promises of this post-humanist vision?
1: Yeah, well, I I think the first thing that we need to do is – to cultivate a suspicion of all the works of our hands um, in, in a proper sense of recognizing the reality of the fall, and that sin doesn't just extend to the worst that I do, it also poisons the best that I do as I'm being redeemed and remade into the image of Christ. And so I should not be surprised when even my best efforts uh, fail in small ways, and, and even we should expect our best, most helpful technologies to fail in some ways. Um, and, and we should be suspicious of them, and we should be looking for those ways that even as they're promising and helpful, that maybe they tempt us to believe even just a little bit more in our own power rather than in the power of God, for instance. Or when they uh, tempt us a little bit to, to downplay the importance of incarnational Christian community uh, and instead exchange it for, for something else. Um, and so I think that just... In, in encouraging ourselves to to see technology not as a as a moral agent on its own, but but something that is created by humans that carries with it the best of our creative abilities, but also will carry with it the stains of our sin. And so we, we need we need to train ourselves to look for that and not feel like it's an either or.
0: Yeah. And what are some of the ways that you would encourage folks to kind of train themselves, as you said, or to recognize the impact and influence of technology in our lives? What are some of those practical next steps that we might implement ourselves, even in our families, in our churches and communities?
1: Yeah, I, I think that just training ourselves to, to think more critically and find good questions – to ask ourselves in the midst of our technology use. And and I don't think that there's any one list of questions, Jason. I don't think that there's three or five or 12. I mean, there are great books that are built on some of those numbers and, and ways of looking at the ways technology is changing you. And I'm not meaning to be critical of those. I just mean we have to train ourselves to ask changing questions because as technology changes... It's going to, uh, you know, Satan is going to use it to tempt us in different ways to forsake Christ and to, to forsake the Christian community that, that Christ has called us to. And so I think right now for me, uh, questions like, uh, you know, when I'm in the midst of, of using my, my smartphone for, I don't know, whether it's checking email or, or reading an article about running, which is like the only hobby I have, uh, I need to train myself to be thinking, wait, what am I missing right now? And it might be nothing, but it might be, hey, I need to read a book to my four-year-old instead. And so just training myself to expect that I might be missing something and that I should ask that. Um, I, I often tell students uh, in my classes, hey, don't uh, don't just not use your phone in class. Don't pull your phone out once you're in the classroom because you'll come in, you'll sit down, you'll bury yourself in the in your phone, and you'll be ignoring the people around you. And the irony is in 10 years, you're going to be somewhere else doing the same thing, texting someone who's in this room right now that you're ignoring right now. And so I think that just finding little ways like that, and and we're getting better and better about it as as even secular studies are beginning to show us some of the ways that we're being, uh, we're missing out on things that are vital to being human. And so expecting that finding ways to ask ourselves those questions and and finding ways to be willing to ask those that we're in community with those questions, I I think is a helpful uh, posture towards these things.
0: I'm really glad that you brought up a little bit about kind of training our children and helping our children to think about, because this is the world that they're going to inhabit, that they're going to inherit from us. And they'll also see their parents modeling a lot of habits with technology for them as they grow up. I know my wife and I, we have a two-year-old and a four-year-old. And even today, this morning, I was really stressed out and overwhelmed uh, with something that happened earlier this morning. And I remember my son came up and he told me, it's really convicting. He told me to put my phone down and he gave me two big hugs. I know that might sound really silly and kind of trite, but it was incredibly cute and, and, honestly, incredibly convicting and extremely encouraging from a four-year-old, um, because he could see that even at four years old. Which is probably a little sad that I, you know, I admit that on a podcast. But that's what happened. And so he's kind of growing up in this world. What are some ways that you think us as parents that we can encourage and challenge our children, even even at super young ages? to have a better relationship with technology maybe than even we do?
1: Yeah, I think one way is, is in perhaps the most challenging way is through our examples and and being really honest with ourselves about the examples we're setting. Uh, and I think that that's a, a good example that you shared. But I think also beginning to give our children, maybe not at four, maybe a little older than four, but beginning to give them the categories for thinking about these things explicitly. And so so my uh, one of my sons, both of my sons enjoy video games. I have four kids, two boys, two girls. My two boys they like video games. My second son in particular, he would just do nothing but play video games if if he could could do that. And so when we, we put limits on this and inevitably when the limits come, he is is is, you know, disappointed at least sometimes quite frustrated. And I've tried to begin to give him words and concepts uh, for thinking through that. And I tell him like it is my job to help you to become a godly man. And I don't want you to be a man who only knows how to be happy by looking at a screen. I want you to be a man who knows how to love others and spend time with others and talk to others. And so even begin to, beginning to layer in those interpretations to help him interpret what he's feeling and what he's feeling drawn to, and, and what I think he's being drawn away from, even at a young age. I mean, he's nine. Uh, but, but I think that introducing those concepts in because you still have that chance, especially in those elementary years where, where you're, you're shaping reality for your children in a really significant way through your example and through the way that you help them process things.
0: Yeah, I think that's really helpful advice, and um, you don't see a lot of that often, and that's not a a knock on any type of resource that's out there, but you don't see a lot about talking to our kids outside of like issues of screen time. And while those are really good and helpful conversations to have, I think, as you said, giving them the categories and the words to help describe not only how they're feeling, um, but what you're doing and how you're trying to train them and disciple them. Uh, with their technology habits, I think is a really helpful thing.
1: Another example that folds in with that, uh, I think relates to, you know, kids sometimes disagree over who gets to play with a toy, right? And the default is just share or who had it first. But that's not really what we want to shape our children in. We want to shape our children to be those who love God and love others. Uh, and so we, we try to ask our kids sometimes in those situations, what, what would it mean to love your sister right now? And ask both of them that. It's a different question. And I think that we need some of those different questions for technology too. It's not just about, have you reached your screen time limit? Uh, We have to give them something uh, more substantive than that, that they see that this limit is in service of this greater good.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really helpful way to go about it. Not just seeing as a screen time per se, but kind of giving them those categories and helpful thoughts about how to approach and navigate that. As we close out our time today, I wanted to ask you, uh, to help give kind of some resources to our listeners who might be just kind of starting to think about technology and its influence, impact on our lives outside of your traditional things that are going to be about parenting and habits and forming or kind of the ways that we form habits with technology. What are some helpful books that you might recommend to help dig a little deeper? And I'll have to say for listeners, outside of your really, really well-done book that I would recommend and we'll link to in the show notes, what are some other books that you would uh encourage listeners to grab to help navigate these challenges of technology,
1: yeah, well well, of course, there's your book, Jason, which I'm sure that you you've had a chance to talk about before, but I'm sure you also downplayed that it's a it's a good and helpful book and an accessible one, and so uh, I would certainly recommend that um there's a theologian named Craig Gay at Regent College uh, who has a helpful book on uh, on especially um, the challenges that technology poses to the workforce and a Christian understanding of work. The title escapes me at the moment, um, but uh, Craig Gay is is his name. Um, and then I also think that you know some of these these resources, like I mentioned earlier, the one you know. Uh, 12 Ways Your Phone Is Changing You, right, is one of these books. Um, These are just really helpful books, not because they have the only 12 ways or the three rules, but because they actually help you change the way that you think. Right, And then there are, there are a lot of secular uh, technologists that are beginning to observe some of these uh, same things. I mean, Jared Lanier is one who has a book, Ten Arguments for Deleting Your Social Media Accounts Right Now. Uh, and, and it's maybe a little, bit, little hyperbolic, but, but maybe not. Um, and it's, it's from a secular perspective and can be a bit crass at points, but it also makes some really key points. And so I think sometimes recognizing that this – this isn't just a Christian issue. It's a it's a you know a natural law accessible to all human flourishing issue at this point in our country. And so there are a lot of good resources uh, from different perspectives on this.
0: Well, Dr. Shastor, thank you so much for joining us today and taking the time out of your busy day to join us here on Weekly Tech. I'm really grateful for your work and even to be able to serve it under you as a student um, and looking a lot of these ethics and technology questions. And so I just wanted to say thank you for joining us here on Weekly Tech. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. From all of us here at Weekly Tech, I want to say thank you for listening. If you enjoy Weekly Tech, would you consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting app? These reviews really help us to know how we're doing and also to share the word about Weekly Tech with others. As a reminder, you can connect with Dr. Schatzer and learn more about his work in the show notes. You can also sign up to receive the Weekly Tech email briefing each Monday morning, which is designed to help you think deeply about the pressing technology issues of our day alongside the top tech news. You can subscribe at jasonthacker.com slash weeklytech. Thank you, and I hope you have a great week.